I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are that great shepherd. Father, you are the one that leads us. And Lord, we can rest in the fact that we don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to provide for our every need. We don't have to strategize to protect ourselves. And But Lord, we can just rest in knowing our responsibility is just to follow you. And Lord, if we follow you, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Father, thank you that you are a God who is faithful and competent in the valley of the shadow of death. Father, when everyone else is terrified, we can be there and fear no evil because you are with us. Let us draw on that strength today, Lord. Help us to see the beauty and the power of who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you today, church. We are uh, continuing to go through Psalm 23. I cannot hear that psalm enough. How about you? I love it. That, that is the most famous poetry in the world. That psalm right there. It's kind of an amazing thing to think about. You know, that an ancient Palestinian shepherd inspired by God penned these words and for centuries they have spoken to the human heart in powerful ways about the reality of God. That is an amazing thing. And so I'm excited to continue to go through it. Pastor Anderson did the really fun verses last week. Pastor Anderson. Um, I get the valley of the shadow of death verses. So is that fair? I don't know. You know, we can think about that. Uh, but it's good to be with you. And we're talking about this idea of, of following. How to be a great follower. You know, I, we, you, we spend sometimes so much time talking about leadership and the need for leadership and how to get better at leadership. And, and I think that's an important topic and there's value in that. But, but ultimately, what we're called to do is be followers. Now, not the type of followers where, you, you know, you follow the closest knucklehead to you. And, and you don't want to be influenced by the wrong people and follow the wrong people. But our primary call is to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think we uh, try to grow our ability to follow like, like we should. Because sometimes, honestly, it's hard. And it's confusing. Um, one of my, my good buddies, he uh, invited me on a fishing trip some years ago. And I'm not like a huge fisherman, but I'll go out and, you know, hang out a little bit. And, and we were going to New York, and we were going to do some salmon fishing, which I had never done. So I was like, that sounds fun. Whatever. I'll give it a try. And, uh, and so we drove a few hours, and we kind of came into this, it was like a very urban neighborhood. Like, it was in the middle of, like, a city, and I was like, this doesn't seem like where I would think to go fishing, you know? I think about more wilderness, rural, right? You know, you're not usually, but we were kind of, so I was like, where's this guy taking me? 
And then we like climbed down this cliff and, uh, and we were walking towards this waterfall. And he was like, hey, there's something weird today. The waterfall is turned off. It's normally turned on. I was like, all right. And, and what I realized as we got closer is that he wanted to like get right underneath the waterfall. So we got right underneath the waterfall and there was this like pool of water. And I was looking up and I'm like, I'm literally right under the waterfall. And I said, hey, Mike, do you know when they turn it on? Because like we're definitely going to die. Like no, no question about it. He's like, I have no idea. I've never seen it turned off. He's like, but if you hear some loud noises, run. It's like, good plan, yeah. Um, I was like, I'm really following this guy right now? This, this, is, this, is, this is what people must feel like when they follow me. <laughs> um, but anyway, but we started fishing. All right, y'all, relax about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm not kidding. Like, we went fishing in this little hole, and it was the most amazing experience fishing of my life. We caught... Every time we casted it, we were catching these massive salmon. It was insane. It was so good that from that day, I've retired from fishing. <laughs> I've retired. Um, I, I hung up my fishing boots, and I'll never go again because I know there will never be a moment that, that will top that. But it was a weird journey to get there. You with me? But I just followed, you know, because honestly, I had nothing else to do. He drove. Didn't have a lot of options, but, but it turned out to be this amazing experience. But that is not how I expected to get there. And don't you know that when you follow God, many times following him is, is like that? Lord, are we in the right place? Like, this can't be the right place. Lord, is the waterfall going to turn on? Because I think that that happens and I'm going to die. It, it, it's confusing. And, and we're not always, always sure what's happening in the moment. But here's what Psalm 23 is all about, church. God is immensely trustworthy. He, this is a psalm of trust. He is worth following. And you know, you will need to follow him most closely at the times when it makes the least sense. And what Psalm 23 is going to show us is that, yeah, there's, it's not always going to be an easy journey. Don't let anyone fool you about that. You start following the Lord, that doesn't mean your problems then just disappear. That doesn't mean life's hardship just disappear. I know sometimes we're confused by it. You're like, Chad, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what God asked me to do, and it's hard. Why are we confused by that? God never said it would be anything different than that. But here's what he does promise, is to lead us through it. And to lead us in a way where we will find his name trustworthy. We will find his goodness on the other side, and he will not fail us. And that's what this psalm is about today. So let me look at these verses one more time, just verse 4 and 5. I want to read them to you again before we dig in. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're moving from the green pastures and the still waters. How many just wants God to keep us there all the time? Yeah, me too. I, I get it. The Lord gets it. But no, there's a valley of the shadow of death. We got to go there too sometimes. But we walk through it. And even though I walk through it, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God sometimes will lead us into the valley. 
I want you to know that he does not abandon you there. The psalmist says, no, you are with me. You won't always feel that God is with you in the valley. And that's why sometimes your head has to control those moments, not your heart. And your head has to grab your heart and say, heart, I know you don't feel like God is here, but I'm telling you, he's here. And in some ways, this is probably what David is doing. Maybe David was actually writing this psalm. You know, you, you think about him writing this psalm in this beautiful, serene scene, but maybe he was writing this psalm in a really difficult scene. And he was writing this in part to remind himself of that very truth that that we need to know. That yeah, we will go into the valley. It's not that God's plan has failed. It's not that God has lost sight of us. It's not even that we've lost sight of him. But it's part of his purpose. And I know many times when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, or other translations say the darkest valley. Maybe it's not death, but it's it's just dark. It's just hard. It's just painful. And many times we want God to take that valley away. And and we question too. We're like, well, God, if you are God, why can't you take that valley away? And and for sometimes, for some of us, that, that pokes holes in our faith. Well, we're in the valley, God. I know if you're God, you can take it away. But but why are you not doing that? But can I can I offer you an alternative? If you believe God is big enough to take it away, is he also big enough to use it to serve a greater purpose in your life? If he's big enough for one, he's also big enough for the other. You with me on that? If you're going to let that side poke holes in your faith, then you have to let this side build stability to your faith. And David sees this, and David understands this, and, and so he's, he's in the valley, but, but he knows that God is right there with him. And here's what I want you to see. Look again at this text. See, from the first couple verses, we would expect it to read like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares the table for me. We, we would expect it to continue to read in the third person like the first couple verses. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. But do you notice how it reads? It does not read in the third person. What happens here? You are with me. Not he is with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff. Not his rod. What what is happening here? Something beautiful. Something powerful. Something that happens in the valley. That when, when you walk with God through it, your relationship moves from just theological to personal. See, David was talking about God in verses, the first couple verses. Now he's talking to God. The Lord is my shepherd. Now it's not the Lord is my shepherd, this abstract theological idea. Now it is you are with me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to you. And there's something powerful that happens in the valley is that our relationship with God, it moves from the theological to the personal. And I'm telling you, church, that is worth the valley right there. That is worth the valley right there. And and the valley can be beautiful when it creates that in us. Now, I would say there's three dangers that we see in the valley valley here that I want to talk about today. The first danger is making permanent residence in the valley. We're going to talk about making permanent residence, putting your, your stake down, putting your tent up, 
building your campsite and then building it out to a nice little log cabin. I've seen these alone shows where they cut down trees. You know, I know, man, people can do some amazing things. Um, It's making a home there. That's the first danger. The second danger is fear. Fear is one of the primary dangers in the valley. And the last danger is comfort. Where we go for comfort in the valley. Because you do need comfort in the valley. But you have to go about it in the right way. Because many times we try to find comfort outside of God's presence. And it creates a lot of problems and issues. So let's talk about this first one, making resonance. Notice that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through it. You don't stop. You don't take pictures. You don't, you know, build, again, a nice little hut or a campsite. The valley is meant for us to walk through it. That means that it's a temporary thing. Thank God. It's not where we stay forever. It's a season. It's a moment. Do you, have you, do you just see in the psalm that the bookends between the valley are really great? Green pastures, still waters, a table before us with great food, and an overflowing cup. Like, hey, those are great scenes. And that's more of where God leads us. But there is a season, and there are seasons where the valley, but we don't stay there. We don't camp there. We don't build our home there. I've been uh, moved recently by Proverbs 4.25. And here's what it says. Proverbs 4.25. It says, let your eyes look directly forward. And your gaze be straight before you. Let your eyes look forward. Let your gaze be straight before you. And what's meaningful to me about that is, do you ever get caught in the past? Do you ever get caught in your regrets, in your pain, in in your bad decisions, in your hurts, in your circumstances. And when we're in the valley, that's that's the danger, is that, that we get consumed by the canyon walls around us, and that's all we can see. But again, the valley is just a pathway to get somewhere else. It's not the end in itself. And when we are in the valley, one of the dangers is that we stop looking ahead. We forget that we're just passing through this place. We're walking. And I think maybe some of us today, maybe some of us, we need to just stop looking backward and start looking forward. Because your leader is ahead of you. He's not behind you. Listen, how, how do we need to deal with our past? Here's how we deal with it. We, we repent. Right? We ask God for forgiveness. He grants it. We learn from it. And then we move on. That's it. I know it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Like, well, Pastor, that's really helpful. I've been trying to do that for 10 years. I, I get it. I know it's hard. I know I'm really oversimplifying. But, but maybe, maybe we need to take a little bit of that into our hearts today. And maybe you, you need to just kind of let go of that. And just say, all right. I've asked for God's forgiveness. I've sought his mercy. I've learned from it. Well, you've done everything you need to. Now, fix your gaze forward. Because that's where your leader is. Don't build your camp in the valley. Don't build your life in the valley. It's just a means to an end. It's a place to pass through. 
It's not your final destination. So we can't make residence there. Secondly, we can't be overcome by fear. David says, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What a bold statement that is, isn't it? Even though I'm there in this place, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Now think about this for a second. Here's what David is doing. He's kind of, in a sense, imagining the worst possible scenario. And then he's saying, you know what? I'm okay with that because God is with me. Even if, Lord, even if your leadership brings me to the edge of death, to facing death itself, to the valley of the shadow of death, if you're with me, it's all I need. It's all I need. And if I can face that and know I have all I need, then I can face all the smaller things that are on this path today. You with me on this? There's a Tim Ferriss, he's a podcaster, and he, he has this exercise he calls fear setting. And what he does is he struggled with fear uh, quite a bit in his life. And so what he'll do, like when he's trying to launch a book or do something that he's really nervous about, he'll imagine the worst possible scenario. You know, like sermon goes really south and, you know, whatever. He imagines the worst possible scenario. And then, and then he just thinks, all right, like, well, what, what would I do with that? And many times he realized, like, I would be fine. I might be a little embarrassed. I might be a little humiliated. I might lose some money. But really, all in all, life would go on. And isn't that true for a lot of situations that, that we get all worked up about? That probably even if our, our, our fears did happen, you know, and he says in his life, it actually relieves a lot of pressure and a lot of worry in it. And it prepares him to say, hey, whether this goes well or this goes poorly, I know I can make it through. And I think there's a sense where David is doing that right now. He's like, I'm, if, if God leads me into the valley of the shadow of death and I have to face that ugly, dark shadow, I will face it without fear. Because God is with me. And it's the presence of God that overcomes the fear. Now, I think as followers of Christ, we, we're, we've gotten better at acknowledging the darkness of the valley. And I think you have to do that, right? It's an unhealthy Christianity to act like things are great all the time. And I know in times past that that's kind of been a things that Christians have done where they just acted like everything's fine and, and they're all good. And, and they did it in the name of faith and in the name of things. But, but that's not healthy. We, we've got to, David acknowledges, hey, this valley is dark. It's not bright. It's not like medium dark. It, it, it's an ugly place to be. And, and I think as far as of Christ, we, we've gotten better at acknowledging pain, at acknowledging brokenness, at acknowledging, hey, life is difficult. Hey, I don't have to come into church with the you know, perfect smile on my face every Sunday. Like this week stunk or whatever. I, I think, and I think that's healthy. But there's the other side too. We have to also get better at acknowledging the capability of the one who leads us. We also have to get better at acknowledging the great shepherd that has not abandoned us in the darkness. It's good to acknowledge the valley. David does that. 
But do you know what David also does? He acknowledges the shepherd. And when he acknowledges the shepherd, it dramatically reduces his fear. You with me on this? And for some of us, we just need reminded. And we need to remind ourselves who our God is. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there is pain. Yes, there is difficulty. But yes, your Lord is Jesus Christ. Yes, your God is powerful. Yes, your God is capable. Yes, your God will protect you and will guide you and will strengthen you. And we need to acknowledge both realities. And David does that. And it begins to reduce some of his fear. Now, look at just how he acknowledges it real quick. I've learned a lot about shepherding this last week. I'm thinking about getting a herd. But uh, my HOA won't allow it. I don't think it's... <laughs> yeah, true. We've got plenty, plenty of grass. But here, here's what he says. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the imagery is probably... Uh, makes sense to us. The, the rod is how the shepherd would protect the sheep. Ancient, ancient shepherds, and even if you go to, you know, um, parts of the Middle East today, you'll still see this practice. You know, they have like a, basically a club, and they could warn off predators. They could also whip it at sheep that are kind of going the wrong way to give them a little wake-up call. And I thought, you know, that one makes sense to me too. Sometimes I need God to protect me from others. Sometimes I need God to protect me from myself. Anyone else? Any sinners in here today? Praise God. Um, and, and so the confidence is that the shepherd does both. He'll protect us from others, but he'll also protect us from ourselves. And then the rod is used to bring the sheep close for all kinds of different activities. The rod pulls the sheep close to the shepherd. Sometimes I need the gentleness of God in my life. Actually, a lot of times. I need a sense of his love, of his presence, of his care. And David says, both those realities give me strength and comfort in the valley. And then let's just talk about the last one, comfort. Look at verse 5 again. You prepare a table before me. Now, when you read it, doesn't it sound like he changes metaphors? Okay, we were talking about shepherds. Now we're talking about dinner. <laughs> this could be bad for the sheep. What happened? Is it gyros? What's going on here? But I think that, so, and there, there's debates about this, and you could read. Some say he does change metaphors, that he goes from a shepherding metaphor to a hosting metaphor. And, and I think that's possible. But if you read shepherds, they talk about these table places as the, the high places. So as the, as the shepherds, um, you know, summer moves on, they drive the herds up where it's cooler, where there's food that isn't dried out. Um, and it's a journey, obviously, from the valley places upwards as the weather gets warmer. And so... Some shepherds look at these verses and they say, well, yeah, those are tables. Those are mesas. Those are the higher lands where we know the sheep can get food and sustenance in the warmer months. And I think, well, that makes sense to me. I think he might extend the metaphor. I think actually both metaphors work and make the same point. So maybe he's kind of purposely ambiguous. I don't know, but either way, here's what the point is. 
The point is that God has a better place for you, better than the valley, and he is leading you there. Today, God has a better place for you than where you are today. And if you follow him, he will lead you there. He will lead, and he's preparing it. Shepherds had to prepare these places. They had to get poisonous um, uh, plants out and things like that and make sure that it would be okay for their pasture, for the sheep. And he says, you're preparing this place. And he says, in the presence of my enemies. Now, this could mean the predators that still would have been around, or if it's a dinner table, it could mean the people that, that don't like you. Now, how could anyone not like you? Is that possible? in this church (laughs) but i want you just to think about this for a second we don't need everyone to like us for god to fully bless us if you live your life trying to get everyone to like you you will drive yourself crazy the only way to do that is number one to drive yourself crazy or number two to sell ice cream (laughs) I i think that strategy will work will work but other than that if you're not doing either of those two things It's not going to work. And I know some of us, whether we realize it or not, we are so controlled by the opinions of other people. And here's what the good shepherd tells us. Hey, listen, even if others don't approve of you or give you the praise or the credit or the love or whatever you're looking for, I can still bless you. I can still fully satisfy the needs and desires of your heart. And then he says, he anoints my head for oil. Now, believe it or not, this is kind of part of raising sheep. They would put oil on their heads to keep them from mosquitoes and bugs, to keep them clean and that sort of thing. So again, this image could be about the sheep here. Anointing of oil is also sort of a way of God designating people and blessing people. And uh, there's kind of hygiene elements. So there's a lot to this imagery. But to just give you a few ways that the scripture talks about anointing, um, here's, here's what some of the things mean. Number one, it can be for healing. Anointing for healing. It can be for designation, saying this, this person, this place is God's. It can be for consecration, for, for God setting apart. It can be for, for filling, God filling us up with himself. It can be for gladness. But, but here, here's what all those means. It means that you are special to God. You have a purpose from God, and God wants to fill the depths of your soul. And he said, I'm leading you through the valley to get you to that place. And then lastly, he says, my cup overflows. I believe that God always treats us better than we expect or imagine. Have you ever had those moments of clarity in life where you look at aspects of your life and you just feel overwhelming gratitude? You ever had those moments where you just are like, man, God, thank you. Just thank you. I I don't deserve all of this. You, You have treated me beyond what I deserve. You have taken me to places that I could not get to myself. And that's where the leadership of God always ends. My cup overflows. Here's what I know. As you follow God, your cup will overflow. May not be this season, but it will. 
if you take your life into your own hands and try and figure it all out, your cup will get empty real quick. And it will stay empty, and it will be really, really hard to fill. But if you allow God to guide you, and I allow God to guide me, we will experience more and more of the overflow of his blessing and his goodness. Church, he is trustworthy. Don't make, don't make a home in your valley. If you're in a valley today, you're not going to stay there. All right? God's got something better for you. Keep walking. Keep trusting. The, the timer is going. Don't think that this is the reality for the rest of your life. Trust him there. Don't give in to fear. He is with you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you there. And don't find your comfort in the wrong places. You know what we need in the valley? We need the comfort that comes from God. The comfort that says, I know you're preparing a table. I know you're going to anoint my head with oil. I know that you're going to overflow my cup. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not going to try and find my comfort in these unhealthy areas. I am just going to seek and look to you for it. Because you are my shepherd. I've been reading the book called The, the Seed of Trust. It's by uh, Stephen Covey. And the big idea in that book is that in organizations where, where trust is low, that costs, and costs go up and speed goes down. So like everything becomes more expensive on the business level. And then your ability to, to accomplish and do stuff gets slow because Trust is this intangible but incredibly important thing that sort of makes everything else possible. And I was thinking about that idea, and I was like, I wonder what my speed of trust is with God. Because what I know also in my life is that when my trust in God begins to wane, my health goes down, my spiritual, my, my emotional, the health of my soul. My ability to serve him and love others, that also goes down quite a bit. But the times where I connect to him like David is teaching us, all of that goes up. All of that increases. And I just want you to know, if you're in the valley, don't fall back to a slow speed of trust. Trust him fully there. He is faithful. He will lead you. He will guide us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you that you are the great shepherd of the sheep. Thank you, Lord, that if we are just facing a dark season of life, we can have that hope today to know it's not our final destination. I pray, Lord, that you would protect us from the dangers of the valley, from just defining our life by the valley instead of the table. I pray, Lord, that we would not be riddled with fear in our lives, but we could find the strength to know that your presence is here. It's here right now with each of us. We might not feel it, but we can know it. Sometimes we have to know it before we feel it. And I pray, Father, that we could find comfort in you. That, Lord, as the valley sometimes can make our souls just bare and vulnerable. 
We would not pursue comfort in the places that will continue to hurt us and wound us, but we would seek a comfort which only comes from our God. And I pray, Lord, we could just be strengthened. We could be directed. We could be blessed. Help us with this, Lord. Guide us. Be our shepherd. And let us be people that follow you fully with hearts that trust. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.